0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fitness Philadelphia podcast. I'm your host, Dr. John Herding, and I have the absolute pleasure of talking to Philadelphia's best sports medicine physicians, physical therapists, strength coaches, and personal trainers. These movement professionals are the leaders driving the healthcare revolution in the Philadelphia region. During each episode, we gain valuable insight into how these individuals are changing the game. Please stop by precisionperformancept.com backslash fitness with a ph philadelphia to subscribe and learn more hello everyone welcome back to fitness philadelphia i'm dr john herding and today as always but today actually very specially we have dr Ariane Missimer on the podcast how are you doing arian
1: i'm great excited to be here
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. So you, we talked briefly, but we've really just followed each other from afar for years and we share very similar um, circles in our world. And I think our thought processes very often go in similar directions, but of course we all have our individual variations, but you are probably one of the most accomplished fitness professionals in the world as far oh, as everything that you've done. Um <laughs> As far as like the coursework and the degrees and everything, those paths that you've taken, but then also um, all the way taking up to some of the physical feats that you've done, accomplished with some of the certifications um, and then even competing on American Ninja Warrior. Um, so that's a brief little bio. Um, is there anything I missed? I'd love for you to fill in the gaps <laughs> and just kind of give me a little bit about your history, your background. What deci- what made you decide to get into fitness as a profession, and then like just kind of take us through your path to now you have your own practice called the movement paradigm.
1: Well, thank you for your kind words. I'm not sure about the world, but I appreciate it. I think it's more just an obsession with movement and health. Um, so I actually, what's kind of interesting is I was always active as a kid, as you know, many of us were. And when I was in high school, unfortunately, I was a victim of sexual assault. And after that, I felt like I kind of lost my identity a little bit. No one knew what was going on with me, but I was definitely struggling. And just coincidentally, my friend at the time said, hey, do you want to come work out with me at Gold's Gym? And I went. I loved it. I started lifting weights and I felt like it really gave me my strength back. And it had such a significance in my life that I will never, ever, ever forget it. And so after that, I actually got right into fitness competitions at 18. So I did Miss Figure USA and Miss Fitness America. And I realized that although the training for it was really kind of an amazing experience. It definitely was not how I wanted to approach health and wellness because it really wasn't, I didn't feel healthy on the inside. So I might have looked good on stage, but I did not feel emotionally healthy. So uh, kind of fast forward a little bit, I that really sparked my interest to get into nutrition because I realized how You know how challenging it was for many people after they competed. So I was at UD for dietetics and a fitness Mm -hmm. concentration. And then shortly after that, I was I was about to graduate and then my brother was diagnosed with cancer for the second time and sadly passed away. And that was really that next big defining moment for me as it related to movement because my brother, you know, he he wasn't into fitness per se, but he he was super active. He had an active job and he lost function of his arm and leg as he was going through treatment. The cancer had spread to the brain and I was doing his physical therapy, quote unquote, at the time. And I watched him lose, you know, his ability to move. I watched his life being slowly taken away from him and it just gave me so many so many moments, so so many aha moments of wow, you know, we take our health for granted so much. We take our movement for granted so much. And that just I would say that is really what sparked my huge passion. Obviously things were evolving a little bit, but I just knew that I wanted to teach people how to move in a very healthy way. I wanted to teach people about health and wellness and, and really help them in all aspects of their life, not just, you know, to look good per se. Um, and then kind of fast forward from there, I opened up my personal training studio. We realized that we kind of connected each other at that time. So that was a really long time ago. I was 22 and uh, opened up Core Fitness, which was uh, my little baby at the time. And I, as I was training people, I was realizing all these people were coming into a fitness setting with pain and injury. And they, it was, you know, all different populations athletes, geriatrics, post rehab, and they would come from physical therapy and still be injured. So I kept having all these questions why is this happening? I don't understand this. So that's what really sparked my interest to go back to PT school. And uh, after that, I was thinking of having this really multidisciplinary practice and I was going to have massage and PT and fitness and then everyone encouraged me to get to work up at a place for at least a year. So I worked at Kinetic and then 8 years later <laughs> I didn't I was trying to, you know, run my own business and I was trying to be a clinic director. So that was kind of, you know, an interesting time period, but I saw a lot of people, which was great and I was able to put my hands on a lot of people and learn a lot about movement. So then I was diagnosed with cancer. And that was about six years ago at this point. And that kind of was the time when I realized wow, I did all these things my whole life uh, from a health perspective and moved well, meditated. You know, of course, my nutrition was good. And then I uh, got cancer. So it was a very interesting time. And Decided to compete, train, and compete on American Ninja Warrior. And then, let's see, then after that, I realized that my personal experiences through health and all of the people I've worked with for many, many, many years, that I realized that I really wanted to do more and really help the whole person and look at that through the lens of mindset, nutrition, and movement. <laughs> so that's the summarized version. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: So, so that's how you got to now you have movement paradigm and tell us a little bit about that practice and where it is and, um, what, you know, uh, take us through the process of if somebody wants to work with you, what kind, what can they ex- expect to experience? How do they get, um, we can even go into how they can get in touch with you. We'll do that at the end, but, um, tell us about now Um, What a typical session of somebody and how do they find you and then how are they, you know, getting started with you?
1: Sure. So most of the time, so we are located in Downingtown. Uh, So it's called the Movement Paradigm Integrative Health Center. And we offer functional medicine, movement coaching, physical therapy. But I will say all through a functional medicine lens. So most of the people that are coming to us have experienced things for a long time. So they have low back pain. And so instead of just looking at pain from a tissue damage standpoint, or if it's chronic pain, more of how the brain is perceiving for whoever's listening, how the brain is perceiving that pain we're also looking at it through how is their nervous system how is their you know how are their stress levels what is their inflammation like are they ha- are they eating all of these specific foods that are contributing to this persistent inflammation in their body thereby increasing their pain so really looking at every person that comes in whether it's shoulder pain it's you know knee pain, or somebody might be coming in through the, the lens of the nutrition end of it where they just don't feel good and they don't really know what's going on. And they might just have pain everywhere. They might have chronic fatigue, autoimmune issues, things like that. So our goal is really to just dig in as deep as we can go to try to really identify as close as we can the root causes. It's never just typically one, but try to put together a timeline of how things really happened in their life, whether they were bottle fed or breastfed, or they took many antibiotics as a child, whether they've had surgeries that have contributed to their current state. And then of course, all of the stressful events in their life, you know, did they have any adverse childhood events? Did they have traumatic events as they were older? And, and typically what, what we find is a lot of times people don't really know until they start to really tell their story all at one time. So it's not, they're going to a specialist to say, this is what happened to my knee. <laughs> and then this is, you know, I have fatigue all the time, test my thyroid. It's, you know, when they start to actually tell their own story, I find it to be very healing for them, which is really kind of cool to see because then it's, it, they're open enough to be able to really work through that and figure out how to get better and how to heal their bodies.
0: Absolutely. And it's interesting, um, like I've gotten into some of like the mindset and the story work stuff. And I think that's a lot of times that's where a lot of the physical pain is manifested. And when people are able to tell their story and talk through it, and um, I think that's where you have a lot of these eureka moments. And that's where you see a lot of um, just the magic happen when you're these people that they can't find a practitioner that's putting it together or a group of practitioners that know how to work together and can see um, the lens through a, a multidisciplinary approach. I think that's where a lot of the, the magic happens when you start to delve into those things.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think yeah. that is really kind of the key, which is why I've gotten so interested in mindfulness. So I did my graduate work at Westchester University and that and the vagus nerve and probably a little obsessed with that. But I've I think through my personal experiences, through you know very traumatic events at different times and coming out of that and I always felt like I healed through movement however I realized that I was never really addressing some of the deep emotions that I feel like I'm a fairly resilient person but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's that's a good thing <laughs> because sometimes you can just bury those things and not even know that you're doing it and so I think through my own work of you know recognizing oh, okay I wonder you know, is this symptom coming from some emotions that I've never really, ex- you know, dealt with? And I think that's where I've experienced it personally. But seeing patients work through it is really, really powerful.
0: Mm-hmm. And that really powerful. that work to me, when I've done it personally, is harder work to do than going to the gym and just putting yourself through like a crushing what? workout.
1: Exactly right, because you can just power through. One hundred percent. One.
0: <laughs> and, and the crushing workout like suppresses all those emotions and feelings and it makes you yeah. feel good for a second because you're kind of beating yourself up.
1: Mm-hmm. But then when
0: you really take a step back and you're introspective and in the stories and actually writing it down and then you're when you're voicing it and reading it like that, that work is harder. Um, right. And it's amazing to see people like just transformations I've been through with that and then seeing people go through the transformation. I, I just think it's awesome that you're including that in your practice
1: absolutely yeah and we actually have so one of the practitioners that runs space she's amazing karina and she actually she does her work is called awakening to the presence and so she has she's a body worker by trade but she's helping people work through their emotions through the their fascial tissue so through the physical aspect as well as you know, talking through it to find out where are these emotions being held in their body, which is really cool.
0: Right. So talk to me a little bit about this. So you've come full circle and you've created that multidisciplinary practice that you were thinking mm-hmm. about when you had your training studio years and years ago. Um, what right. are some of the other practitioners that are in your um, space that you're closely working with? And is everybody coming in, getting a session with each or do you guys still kind of partition it where if they only want to work with you, they can do that?
1: So typically we'll, so we all work together. So primarily we have, so we have personal training and it's a, somebody I've worked with for, I think you might know him, Joe Shaken, Align Fitness. So he, so we've worked together for most of my physical therapy career at least. And so he's here with his team, Karina. We also have a psychologist. Uh, the psychologist was already in the building before. So not somebody we're working directly with. So Karina, Joe, and I are always referring, and my other colleague, we're always referring to each other. So it just depends on where someone comes in. So if they go into personal training, then they might say, hey, you know, if this is going on with their foot, send them down. But a lot of times, at least for our sake, we're working with much more complicated people. <laughs> so we're trying to get them to a point so that they can do training and they can Whether that's just, you know, from the physical standpoint alone, making sure that they're moving better, they're comfortable, they feel safe with movement, because a lot of times that's, as you very well know, is a huge part of it is they're super apprehensive about movement because of their pain patterns.
0: Absolutely. And I think that gets into where some of the skill that you, I know you have is helping people be comfortable with movement, find ways to continue to move through like an injury process right? Because there's always movement that you can find that'll help to um, improve your mindset, help you move through, like, you don't even have to move through the pain. But there's always a way that you can continue to move um, without, you know, even when you're injured, and it's going to help you on an emotional level, it's going to help you on a physical level. And, um, and I think that's where the magic happens. And you need to connect me with Karina. I want to. I want to. I know. To her. Oh,
1: you have to. <laughs> she is. Yeah, she's my favorite go-to person. Absolutely. Karina, please help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my stepson always laughs um, on a on a note that you just said. So every time he's hurt. He always, of course, asked me what he should do. And I said, just keep moving. Just mm-hmm. keep moving. 100%. And he said, can't you just tell me what, you know, can't you just fix it? No, mm-hmm. yeah, just keep moving. You'll be fine.
0: Oh, my son's seven. And every time he like, you know, twists an or something, dad, can you just fix this for me right now? Like, this is what you do all day. I'm like, mm. And a lot of times it's just walk it off. Like, you're good. Oh. Keep moving.
1: All right. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page there. Just keep walking. You'll be fine. Well,
0: and then and then he won't. I, maybe I'll just like rub it a little bit. And I'm like, you're good to go now. Like. Don't... <laughs> Yeah,
1: that's awesome. It's
0: great. He's like, but no needles. I don't want needles. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what I truly love about you, too, is you're on this quest for knowledge, like both personal knowledge, which you touched on and some of the self-work stuff, and then some of the the physicality of some of the pursuits that you've done. Like, it's not an easy pursuit to compete in figure. Right. No, <laughs> not an easy pursuit to um, like you got your RKC. Yep. So the Russian kettlebell challenge yeah, which um mm-hmm. like mentally and physically is is you know um, brutal. Brutal. Yeah, <laughs> which is why I haven't done it.
1: I don't want to commit <laughs> to the
0: training which is average of like 6 months to be able to do so, right?
1: Yep. Um
0: to not to then decide you're going to compete in American Ninja Warrior, right? Like these are not easy physical pursuits and that, that's part of your personal quest for knowledge, I would assume. Um, including like you have your RD, you have your doctor of physical therapy, you continue to get your master's in mindfulness, um, and you've explored all these other realms to bring this together with people like Karina and understanding how emotions and story work fall into movement. Um, What's your motivation to continue to go down these paths, right?
1: Yeah, so I think... I just I my goal is always to help as many people as I can. I think I've always had that drive from very early on in my career. And, and I will say probably after my brother, I think is really when I just realized that we take health for granted mm-hmm. and so much. And I think that so many people need this information. And I would never claim to know everything, but I will always invest as much time as I can to learn as much as I I possibly can. And from the movement standpoint, I've always believed this, that as a movement professional, that if you don't explore your own movement, and it is very, very challenging to help other people, because I wouldn't say that any particular course that I've taken has helped me with one particular patient but I would say my exploration of training for all these different things and, you know, even ballroom dancing, I've done, you know, tons of competitions, all of those types of things, all of it, it has really allowed me to speak to my patients on really a personal level of like, Hey, yeah, you know what? This might take three months. This might take six months. Oh, you know what? This might happen. You might, you might tweak your ankle here, you know, just to be able to speak to them. And even from a, you know, movement standpoint and actually cueing people I'm not queuing someone because someone told me how to do that, you know, a, a clinic instructor. But I'm doing it because I've felt it thousands of times. And I've just always, I don't know, I've always believed that. And, and then personally, I just love challenging my own movement. I love the process of things. I don't really ever love the actual competition. So I just did a powerlifting competition a couple weeks ago. It was my first yeah. one. <laughs> Really, it was so fun. Okay. It was so fun, but I know this is right up your alley. <laughs>
0: well, I, I mean, I'm not, a power, I'm not a power lifter by any means, but I think that's awesome that you went powerlifting. That's completely opposite of some of the things you've already done. It's great.
1: I know, <laughs> and I've always kind of had that little itch to do it. And I was like, you know, I've never really tried to increase my weights, you know, a lot. <laughs> so it was, it was actually a blast. But normally, I don't love actually competing. I just love training for something. 'Cause I love the ups and downs of it. I love the like, wait, is this gonna work? Is this not gonna work? I just and I feel like I learned so much along the way. So every roughly every two years or so, I always try something new, a new movement challenge, whatever that might be.
0: So what's next?
1: <laughs> I knew you were gonna ask that. I kinda of have some ideas. Okay. So it's either boxing. Okay. Which I've never really done, you know, kinda of, mm-hmm. not that I would actually box in a competition. I'm too afraid to get hurt. Mm-hmm. But just learning how to to actually box or Olympic powerlifting,
0: okay? okay. So but, I'm, but
1: I'm not I'm not sure though. but <laughs> I, don't put any pressure on me, John.
0: <laughs> well, I think i'm gonna I think I'm gonna start jujitsu cause that's like the new rage and everybody's doing it. So it's
1: a new rage, okay. And I thought about that. But I treat so many people that have that are injured. and see, i like that's that always. I don't know. That's the only thing that will hold me back.
0: <laughs> well, I had a patient tell me, he said, it's not a matter of if you get hurt in jujitsu. It's a matter of when. I know. Okay, uh, I'm still going
1: to. I know. <laughs> right. And I mean, obviously, we, as we know, you could get hurt doing anything. But, you know. So, I don't know. I do the lira too, which is the aerials, like the the big hoops. So, I do that kind of ongo- ongoing as well. So, I have to kind of figure out something that complements everything. <laughs> I'm gonna do another powerlifting meet, so you know.
0: Okay, when's, figure it out. When's the next one scheduled for?
1: I'll probably do it in early next year. I haven't scheduled it yet, but that's the that's what I'm planning to. So that way, I have a year to train. Oh, I love it.
0: It's so good. Um, <laughs> yeah, because part of that, I don't disagree with you. Is I think you have to understand where your patients are going in order to get them there, and I think understanding the the feel of exercise when you're programming exercises. Um, One of the one of the things I do is I teach um, a sports performance class at Widener, and it's a semester long elective for their third year PT students. And um, part of that class is write a program, but then you have to go through the program that you write. And so very often they're writing this like huge volume leg day and they go through it. And they're like, wow, that's that's way too much. I was sore for a week. And I think it's – it's I think to understand – part of understanding exercise and part of understanding how to program it is you've experienced it. And then I think like you said too is understanding the cue. Because you've done you know maybe a split squat thousands of times, you understand what you need to think about in um, the feel of your foot on the ground during a split squat to get what you want.
1: Right. And yeah. be able to say just in that example – For one person, you might say, hey, let's work a little bit more on the front loaded split squat. Oh, you know, for you, I'm going to have you actually focus on the rear foot or, you know, just those subtleties. Or, you know what, actually, let's move your foot out just a hair and see how that feels for your knee. But just being able to do that over and over and over again, you know exactly how to cue that properly for that person.
0: Absolutely. Because then that plays into, okay, how's it impacting... Again, like the knee pain and then even up into the pelvic floor pressures, like how are you then influencing all the way up the chain with that little tweak in how the big toe is, you know, impacting the ground or feeling the ground? And I think that's a lot of a lot of times in clinics that are, you know, volume based or like overworked, you know, movement specialists, like that just becomes something that's very lost in the fold. And that's why when you've created a space like you have that's so unique, and you can spend the time to really put those cues, you get such powerful, you know, um, changes that you know really impact a person and and moving forward. I think it's great. Yeah,
1: and my goal is always to get people into fitness. That's the other thing. So wherever they, whether they've never worked out their whole life or they're hurt and they're afraid to work out, that's what I'm always working towards. Even session one, I sort of plant the seed of trying to get a feel for what they might do. Would they ever work out at home? Would they see a personal trainer? So I kind of just feel that out. So I'm every session, I'm prepping them a little bit for that next step. So that, and it obviously doesn't always work, but I think, I just think that's so important for us to move and, and also be promoting healthy movement.
0: Yeah, and I think fitness can be just going for a daily walk with your dog. It can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. It doesn't have to mean you're going out and crushing yourself and, you know. Do a you,
1: powerlifting meet. Right. It doesn't mean
0: you have to do that. It, everybody has different goals. And I think sometimes right. people get scared of what f- fitness is when they see CrossFit on TV or they see a barbell athlete. And they're like, I don't want to do that. Um, but I think fitness can be so many things. It can be a, a, a yoga flow. It can be... Whatever you have to find what works for you and what you like to do and what's going to keep you doing it for longevity. Because um, really, when you get down to the the meat of it, fitness helps everything. Fitness everything. is the cure for you know the health all of the health related problems that we're dealing with.
1: Yeah, but you have. I to mean, be- most chronic disease. It, I mean, seventy percent could be eliminated or decreased if we just had better lifestyle. You know, with move, moving and eating well, and I mean, yes, movement is everything.
0: Hundred <laughs> percent, and it and it doesn't have to it it doesn't have to be this hard, uncomfortable task. It, it can go out and enjoy, again, like enjoying a walk with your dogs or your significant other, and just having a conversation. And, um, mm-hmm. but I also think there's and and you seem like you're very comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. Right?
1: <laughs> I like well I like putting myself in those positions. Yes. Yeah,
0: and I think that's where we learn and grow and I think a lot of people are yeah. are too comfortable and they don't like being yeah. uncomfortable and pushed outside their comfort zone, but I think that's really where you can start to learn and grow and really find out who you are to take care of some of those emotional things that you were talking about and yeah. um you know, so my challenge coming out of this podcast for everybody listening is just find something that makes you a little bit uncomfortable maybe. Mm-hmm. And Just kind of dig into that a little bit, and it doesn't have to be like super uncomfortable. But I don't know, just a little bit,
1: yeah. And even as it relates to the movement piece for the listeners, any anything is a good start. You know, sometimes I'll just turn on my quote unquote cardiovascular day. (laughs) I might just turn on music and dance for 30 minutes and sometimes I look ridiculous but no one's there so it doesn't really matter but it's fun it's uplifting you're smiling you're moving your lymphatic system so it's all great things I think that you know we sometimes we have to think outside of the box too it doesn't have to be a class it doesn't have to be a training session like you said it could be just going for a walk I love well I that's always the thing I'm encouraging for everybody is walking because <laughs> it's so powerful but I think anything, you know, where whatever you feel comfortable with is a good start.
0: Yeah, and and like you said with the dancing, like you don't worry about what other people think. Just do what you like, and I think that's so hard for people, right? And that and some of that could be from some deep rooted things that are hard to address. But I think as if you're true to yourself and you really get into doing the things that you like, you'll find movement that you like, and you'll find that it even helps to proliferate positive positive thought processes. Right. Yeah.
1: And the consistency of it.
0: That, that's the biggest thing, right? <laughs> I think right?
1: That's, the, that's the key. <laughs>
0: but that's why you want to find something that you like to do because yeah, like. otherwise it's going to be a chore. You're not going to want to wake up in the morning. You're not going to want to do it after work here. Um, the consistency is the key. But if you make, you know, for example, a, a daily walk or a walk four times a week and you just start with what you can do, um, it doesn't have to be this huge systematized thing that just becomes a struggle after time. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the RISE education platform. RISE stands for Rehab Integrated into Sports Education. We offer solutions for business owners who want to bring more athletes into their practice, as well as clinicians to help them better understand how to integrate sports performance metrics into the rehab setting. Our 12 week master's class for clinicians offers solutions for clinicians to begin to implement these ideas right away. And our business mentorships helps business owners figure out the solutions that best suit their business's needs. Visit sportsrehabeducation.com for more information. Yeah. Absolutely. I love it. So good. Um, So talk to me a little bit about... um, some of the things that you're selfishly, I would just want to know, like you talked about how you're integration, integrating the the stories and the emotions and um, like, are you continuing to use? I know you have this plethora of knowledge that um, because for everybody listening, she's also one you've won, like strength and conditioning coach of the year, like PT of the year, like you've done, like done all these great things. Um, like what? Where do you find your current practice currently? are you using what kinds of implements are you like kettlebell focused because you're just getting into barbells? are you were you working with a barbell a little bit more like do you find that sometimes your practice changes to whatever your movement of the time is or are you now do you have all these different things because of all the challenges that you've taken on you have all this exercise library? And again, like where it kind of fits in with a patient, you can help them have fun. You can help them find what works for them as they're working through an injury. Um, Are you finding that your practice is going a certain direction based on where you are in your own movement capacities right now?
1: That's a great question. I I really try not to do that. I, you know, I try to leave my journey as my journey. And, you know, but if I find that I'm learning something or I feel like it is appropriate for that patient, then absolutely I will. So for example, if I have, like for right now, I have a couple guys coming in and they're, they have pain. And so I'm working with them with their squat mechanic or their deadlift or something like that. So I definitely will incorporate that, but I don't ever try to push anything on anyone. Like I'm going to do what I think is appropriate for them. If I think it's kettlebells, I, you know, I'm always using kettlebells at some level. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If I think it's kettlebells, if I think it's bands, if I think it's just body weight initially, you know, I'm really trying to make it individualized to them. Mm -hmm. I think that I so the the one thing that that I've been doing the past 4 years is doing my functional medicine training through the Institute of Functional Medicine. Mm-hmm. And so that has for me been very 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 challenging. However, it has helped me to bring all of the things together. So it it makes it easier for me to I hate to say compartmentalize but a little bit to be able to say okay, you know, here's the modifiable lifestyle fa- factors what are the things that John needs to work on? So, okay, so we're in the movement and exercise point. This is a really big aspect for you. But maybe for somebody else, their first step is going to be sleep and, you know, just – and relaxation. So hence, getting into that aspect of your question, that might be where I'm working on the nervous system regulation. So I might either teach them some vagus nerve stimulation techniques – or some visceral techniques that they can do on their own. And then I might try to help them create a little bit of a, a, we'll say self-care routine. Maybe they, maybe they do breath work or they meditate a few minutes before bed. They do some visceral work. They do a vagus nerve stimulation and then they're doing breath work throughout the day. So I might really have them make that the big focus for that particular person, depending on what's going on. So but it always evolves so i always make sure to address everything but i try to just pick the elephant in the room at first and figure out what do they need the most right now that i think is going to get them feeling better the fastest mm-hmm. and then i and but i'll always say so even like this a person i just came into me well, I had two new people today and they were coming in for more we'll say more nutrition gut health one had osteoporosis so I said, let's let's cover all the health aspects today. And I said, in the next session, we'll do your movement assessment. We'll get you started on a program because I really want you strength training right away. So, you know, so that's kind of how I'll just – you know, prep them a little bit for the next step. Like, okay, we might not get to this today, but the next session we'll make sure to cover X, Y, Z.
0: Perfect. Um, yeah. Cause a lot of the, I think that stuff gets, I know even sometimes I miss it just or I don't talk about it as much because of expectations coming into my practice is the low hanging fruit, like the sleep and the nutrition. And, um, it's stuff that I would love to address, but I think just the, it, it gets lost in, in typical everyday life with most practitioners. Um, so I think it's great. And what are you finding as you're examining some of this stuff? Some of the hardest changes to make in people.
1: Oh, I, um, so sleep. I feel like once you start working on that, mm-hmm. I think for the most part, people make a pretty quick uh, change, positive change. Whether that's sleep, just basic sleep hygiene. That might be supplementation. Might be a combination. But normally that can that can respond pretty quickly. Um, I think the stress management is probably the hardest. And, you know, I always say to people that it's, you know, when I act, cause I have on our intake form and 17 pages, but one section is all on, on, on stress and they have to rate their stress. So which category is it health? Is it finances? Is it family? And I think what happens is, is these stressors are, are ongoing. And at that point most people are in like out of three stages of stress, they're in that stage three of stress. And so they don't know how to adapt and respond to these ongoing stressors anymore. And so I feel like that's definitely probably, I think, the hardest part. Um, I think nutrition, when most people come here, I think they're ready to make changes. Sometimes more some are more resistant than others. But I also think that like once I kind of talk them into it, like, hey, let's we need to try to get out some of these inflammatory foods. I think you're going to feel a lot better. And then they do. And so then it's, a, then it's a, an easy sell, <laughs> if you will, you know. But I think the stress part is probably the hardest. And especially since the pandemic, it has been really, really challenging for so many people. And, it, and sometimes it, it breaks my heart hearing everybody's stories. I mean, sometimes i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> i'm trying not to take it all in but it's hard because i'm you know i'm pretty empathetic <laughs> i
0: know and it's hard to not internalize some of that stuff
1: i like, know and that's
0: been a, like an issue i've been able to work through over the years of not taking patients home but it's so hard right. to not you know so to hard not take that moment. so hard <laughs> but i think you're right like uh, going back to the stories we were talking about at the very beginning like this the manifest manifestation of stress and movement and in pain like Mm-hmm. traditional medicine isn't getting into that. Right? No. And I think it's it, it's you know I I am just going to throw out a number but I think it's probably 95% of people's issues
1: very mm-hmm. often. It, it it really is the majority of majority I would say for sure it, or it at the bare minimum and this is what I like from the functional medicine terminology you have your antecedents triggers and mediators. And so it's it's t- typically I'm going to say typically, always a trigger and it's always a mediator. So it's always perpetuating that cycle. And then there's, you know, often a, a some kind of traumatic event that kickstarts uh, some some change in their health. So so it's hard. So it's hard to unpack all that. And, no, and I I'm, can't do all that. But what I'm trying to do is help someone identify it and then give them as many tools as I can give them. And also refer. So I refer all the time, whether that's to Karina or that's to, I mean, really everywhere, different counselors, trauma therapists, and so on, just to make sure that they're, and I do it at the right time. So I don't, I never do it right away because I think it's too much. So I wait until I think that they're ready and then I'll propose it to them.
0: I love it. And then very often are they, at that time you've formed a relationship and they're receptive to going that direction. Totally.
1: Yeah. And I'll explain exactly what I think is the most appropriate treatment for them and why I think it, you know, I think sometimes, you know, I'll say to people, I think talk therapy would be really good for you. Sometimes people just need, you know, if they're in an unhealthy marriage and they just need to just talk things out versus somebody that I think needs EMDR for trauma or somebody that's holding all this pain in their body that might be the, you know, referral to Karina.
0: You're doing something so special out there. And I hope people listen to this and they, they come in and see what you're doing. And, um, it's
1: great. Thank you, John. Well, you're doing amazing things. I'm trying,
0: (laughs) but nothing at the level. I would love to start to integrate some of the stuff that you're doing. And, um, it's always been, you took the plunge. It's always kind of been out there and fringy, but scared. You know, it's like it, you're first is scared to open a practice and scared to expand. Right. And like every step is scary. You know that. Yes. And then, yeah. yeah.
1: But it's so but like you said earlier, all of those things make you like getting outside of your comfort zone, just make you grow as a person, a professional. So that's the cool thing. And you're doing that. And I'm it's trying. awesome. But thank you. <laughs> um so Doing a what's podcast
0: <laughs> yeah right but we're gonna you're gonna start one after this too i know and you're gonna do it um so what's next you're gonna do a powerlifting competition early next year you might mm-hmm. start boxing you're trying to find that other next two-year thing yeah. what's next for you otherwise professionally like how do you see your practice moving forward are you are you happy with where things are or are you going to continue down the functional medicine path what do you see um what's next for you
1: so I so I just completed all my coursework and took my exam for the functional medicine. So right now I will say that I think I wanna get a lot better as a functional medicine practitioner. I feel like I've I've learned so much and you know, really I would say a hundred percent into it over the past four years. I think now that I've done all this and I've studied and now I really wanna just try to, you know, just like PT and movement. Like I really wanna get better and better and better at it. So that's kind of my immediate foreseeable future. Um, But I also want to do some more visceral work. So I've been doing a lot on my own and and kind of researching different techniques and things I think are helpful for my patients. But I do want to dive deeper into that from a coursework standpoint. And then from a uh business standpoint, I would, so I have a great colleague now that that's working for me and she's a public floor therapist. We we both are, but she's definitely more, you know, doing more of that. And I would like to grow a little bit. I'd like to hire maybe one other practitioner and then continue to build our online programming. So I, I did do the Vegas nerve program. I'm planning to do another one this year. So I'm going to just slowly start to build that a little bit Little bit at a time. It was it's very time consuming to build a course. <laughs> uh, very time. So I I didn't quite realize how long it was gonna take and how much time. So I think now that I know I just have to plan it appropriately.
0: I can't wait to see what's next. It's great. <laughs> I've been following you from afar and then I just love every step of the process.
1: Oh, thank um, you.
0: All right, so we end all of these podcasts with five final questions that are kind of okay. quick fire to give people more insight into who you are as a person. You okay, ready?
1: <laughs> I guess.
0: <laughs> what would be your walkout song?
1: Oh gosh. Um, oh God, John, I'm gonna be terrible with these questions. Oh, it's so fun. Uh, what would be my walkout song. Rise up, okay. Yeah, that's the name of my book. Yeah, that would be it. Okay. It's not super walkout-ish, mm-hmm. but <laughs> that's all right.
0: Love it. And um, favorite exercise?
1: Deadlift. Oh, actually, deadlift pull-up. They're equal.
0: Okay. One food for the rest of your life, what would you eat? Venison. Venison. A solid choice, not one that solid people choice. say yeah. very often, but I like it. No, <laughs>
1: probably
0: not. Um, going off of that, what's your one guilty pleasure?
1: I would say French fries. Very rare, but French fries.
0: You can't. You can't beat good sort of truffle fries, or.
1: I know. I know. I love them.
0: <laughs> um, and finally, what's your favorite thing about the Philadelphia area?
1: So it's interesting. I grew up in. Delaware but I really love the I feel like there's a tighter community for some reason I'm not sure if everyone would agree with that but I feel like not just the fitness and wellness community but just in general I feel like there's yeah I feel like there's a really good great sense of community here perfect
0: um, and finally, what, if people want to get a hold of you, um, tell them where they can buy your book. Tell them how they can get a hold of it if they want to schedule a session or just reach out and ask some questions. Um, what are the best ways to um, do all that?
1: Sure. Yeah. I and mean, you can go to the website, which is themovementparadigm.com. And you could just send a form. We do 15-minute discovery sessions. So if you weren't sure, if you're interested in our services or for a good fit, we could just do that to help guide you and see if it is. And then if you are interested in my book, Rise Up, that is my personal story of healing through mindset, nutrition, and movement. That is on Amazon. And I also have a, an e-book there, Breathing is Your Superpower, as well.
0: Perfect. Again, I appreciate everything you're doing. You are a gem in the Philadelphia community and, and making strides to influence everyone with your online stuff um, around the world. So thank you so much. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to keep watching what you're doing and kind of maybe even following your path and because you're doing some great things. Thank you so much. Thanks, John. Talk to you soon. Hey, hold on a second. Don't leave yet. This is your host, Dr. John Herding, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fitness Philadelphia. If you did, I'm going to ask you to do three simple things. They take less than five minutes and they go such a long way. We really do appreciate it. Number one, please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to it. iTunes, Spotify, or whatever it may be. Number two, please leave us a favorable review. Number three, share it. Put it on social media. Talk about it with your friends. Send it in a text message. Whatever you can do to share this episode, because we put a lot of work into it and we want to make sure as many people are getting the value out of it as possible. And lastly, if you'd like to learn more, please go to precisionperformancept.com/fitnessphiladelphia. Thank you so much. This is Dr. John Herding, this is Fitness Philadelphia, and have a great
1: day.